Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Welcome to Jags Drive Time with John Osherberger and Brian Sexton. Sexton. Jags Drive Time starts right now. Good morning and welcome to Jags Drive Time. We'll call it the Owners' Meetings Edition as I am here in Jacksonville at TIAA Bank Field and John Osier is in Arizona. You know, the meetings are generally at the Biltmore out there, but something tells me John's at the Fairfield Inn down the road. Uh, we, we have got a jam-packed show. Lots of things to talk about today. So without further ado, let's bring in the senior writer from Jaguars.com. Oh, Okay. We're not going to do that yet. We're going to go to big things right out of the gate. And we'll start with big thing number one. Year two, it's a pretty big deal. And Doug said yesterday that he was looking forward to the second year of the program that he got started last year. It's been a while since we've had a coach in year two to see the continuity. He is anticipating a lot of very positive and productive storylines coming from year two and we can show them now on tape this spring um, those those issues and that's where we get that's where we get better and that's where we take another step it's just the the details of what we're doing uh, in all three phases and um, you know that's why this offseason will be exciting to get the guys back offseason program begins April 17th all right big thing too no surprise here Trevor Lawrence in year two with Doug, and Doug was effusive in his praise yesterday when he met with the media at the owners' meetings. I truly believe that he there's so much more for him, and 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 he's he wants that, you know, and he's willing to he's willing to do what it takes to, to work, and and uh, that's what you want um, as the leader of your football team, right? And and that that rubs off on the rest of your team. And big thing three is improvement. And I touched on this last week. If you saw Happy Hour with Jeff Loggum, and improvement is more than just adding players to the roster. Though they'll do that when the draft comes up later in April, they didn't get a lot of that done in free agency for the obvious reason. There's not a lot of money. But there is plenty of room to get better, and the coach touched on that issue yesterday. We're not necessarily installing the offense again or the defense again right it's now it's just how we make it better and how we use our players better um, in in certain situations and so now we bring in the senior writer John Osier who joins us from where the Fairfield Inn just outside the airport is that where you're staying John super eight Ryan super eight eight. and (laughs) and it is super I'm not gonna lie to you I bet it is you have to take a bus and an Uber to get over to the owners meetings or do they actually let you in the building it's a good place to be yeah I'm glad no it's more remote. I, I lob rocks and hope they let me in. So, but it's good. It's a let, living. Let's start with Doug yesterday. Uh, and, and obviously, 
at the coaches' breakfast, coaches are relaxed. It's a different scene than we see when Doug stands in front of the media at the, at the podium or on the practice field after a day of training camp. And he was, I thought, very candid when he talked about the approach that this team has this offseason. Yeah, uh, you had to be quick. I mean, uh, they shortened this thing up. It used to be an hour. Now it's a half an hour. So uh, we were trying, uh, Demetrius Harvey from the Times Union and I were trying to get Jaguars-related questions in sort of around a lot of national people. And uh, Doug does attract a national audience, which is kind of cool. But I was really trying to get with Doug on getting an idea. At the Combine, we talked about draft with him and uh, free agency, sort of what maybe to expect. With that not really uh, being uh, very busy this year, I wanted yesterday to try to get an idea for what he had seen in the film work that I know they've done ever since they got back from, you know, a couple weeks off after Kansas City. Uh, I wanted to get a feel for, hey, you've dug down into this offense now. You talked for a year about how you thought there'd be a second-year jump. What are you really doing to see that? And the thing that really struck me, and I asked him about it, uh, he sort of gave a quick answer on Trevor, and he was almost trying to hide a smile. And I said, you're smiling when you think about this. You're excited about this. And he, you know... That's when he kind of relaxed and gave the answer that we saw on on, on big things. Um, I think he saw in tape, I think him and Press Taylor and the offensive coaches saw a kid who improved dramatically, had major uh, stretches where he was really good. We saw it against San, I mean, against Los Angeles the second half, uh, Dallas at times, where he was lights out and putting up points that any quarterback could do. I think they see where they can take away certain things that he wasn't doing quite well. You know, I think they just see where they're going to streamline this thing, and I think they think he's going to explode. I don't think they really want to talk about it and get giddy, but I think there's a feeling there that this thing's going to jump. Well, and John, it's easy to look at the roster and see where other guys will improve dramatically when the quarterback does. It, 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 here's one example that people might not relate to the quarterback – but you got a cornerback like Tyson Campbell, right? He's a young guy going into his third year. He's an ascending player, someone you want to be able to count on. What if he's playing with a lead, which he rarely yeah. did in his first season? And last year, you know, there were close games. What if there is a pass rush from Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen because they can tape their ears back and get after him because they're leading by 14 points? How much better does that make Tyson Campbell, right? When you look at the whole roster, he's the linchpin that gets it all rolling. Yeah, I think we saw that a little bit, and it's a little hard to really discern the stats because, you know, stats can be twisted any which way. But the offense got better late last season, if you remember. It, it, you know, Doug talked about it. Uh, Second half of the season, Trevor Lawrence got better, 15 or, or 14 touchdowns, one interception, whatever that number was. It was much better than the first half. The defense in the second half of the season after Detroit, uh, they gave up three 400-yard games in a row that ended with Detroit. In the five games after that, they never gave up 400 yards. Their, their turnovers forced went way up in that last five games as opposed to the previous eight. You've got to think a lot of that had to do with playing with more leads, uh, playing in situations where you know the other team's got to pass. I, I agree with you, Brian. And uh one thing Doug said yesterday, I asked him about the defense later on in the conversation. 
They said, we got to get better pass rush. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't say that that would happen once you get a lead because I don't think he wants to give the defensive players, oh, well, we get a lead, we're going to get to the passer. But NFL people know if, if you're facing third and eight, that's much easier to get a sack than if you're trailing, I mean, uh, than if you're trailing by seven and facing third and two. You know, and there were when two, they get leads, they're going to get better pass rush. And there were two players that he talked about, and you know what they at, at length he talked about. So let's start with with Trayvon Walker since we're on the defensive side. And he talked about what he liked from Trayvon last year and what he needed to see from Trayvon. He mixed a little bit of Josh Allen in there, but I thought when he was talking about the pass rush improving, he was leaning heavily into last year's number one overall pick taking a big jump forward maybe John even a Trevor Lawrence kind of jump sometime in this year where he gets it where the light goes on and all of a sudden he's playing to his potential yeah and he went a couple different directions there um the big thing I keep getting questions about Trayvon what he's doing to improve so I asked Doug about that uh hoping he'd get into it a little bit I think the big thing he said was look uh Players get better in year two, not necessarily because they're working on a certain move on the practice field out at their you know individual camp in Colorado. You know what I mean? Everybody sort of wants that. They get better because they don't have just a grind of an offseason going into the draft. They get better because all of a sudden they know how to study a little better. They, you know, a lot of these guys come in from college and they've been better than their opponent for years. They haven't had to study the offensive tackle across from them. So it, most rookies get better learning how to study, learning how to take what they see on tape and putting it into use in a game, knowing how to approach different offensive tackles if you're Trayvon. So he talked more about that as a concept. I think, he, you know, with Trayvon's will, with his work ethic, with his frame, obviously he's got everything. I think they think he'll take a jump for that reason. But I do think that, that obviously we've talked about it, Brian, this team needs those second-year guys to be impactful on defense. Uh, Doug certainly believes that has to happen. Now, on the other side of the ball, he he mentioned briefly ETN being one of those second-year guys, even though it'll be his third NFL season. It'll be his second year. He expects him to take a big jump. But the conversation went to Calvin Ridley and what the coach had seen watching tape and where his thoughts were on how the guy they traded for last October – might become someone they really can count on, you know, this October and November as they make another playoff run. Yeah, to your first point with ETN very quickly, Doug said it at the, at the combine, and, and and he sort of hinted at it yesterday and then got off on another topic. I think he believes the running game is going to be a lot better. Not that it wasn't good last year, not that anybody did anything wrong. He just believes there's some continuity stuff there, too, with uh, Travis learning to hit holes in the NFL. Uh, there's a learning curve there with the, with second-year running backs that's not talked about as much as quarterbacks. Uh, I think he thinks overall there's going to be more continuity and better out of the running game with all running backs. Yes, he got into Ridley a little bit. I thought it was interesting. It, this was the first time they've really wanted to talk about Ridley because he hadn't cleared suspension yet before. Um, and he, he didn't go all in. He didn't talk about, him. hey, this guy's going to be the one. He's going to change the offense. But they definitely believe that this guy is going to fit what they do, help everybody and raise everybody else. Um, you know, if this kid's what he is, meaning a number one receiver, 
all of a sudden there's a lot of pieces in place offensively. And, you know, Doug didn't go into that kind of detail on it. You got to hear it in his voice. They're excited about what they've seen from him. And they think that what he does well fits what they do well. Yeah, I mean, that much was clear listening to him. And, you know, he, he touched a little bit on Evan Ingram and, and Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and, and how this guy gives them one more weapon, but it's one more chess piece to try to create the sort of mismatches and the sort of matchups that they were looking for last year but couldn't always get there. And when you combine that with Trevor Lawrence taking a big step forward, a defense that might be able to give you some turnovers in field position, look, John, I mean, you know it as well as I do. Doug Peterson, from the moment he got here, was calm and confident, right? He knew that he knew what it took to get this team up off the mat. And by the end of the year, he had done that. I got to imagine that you felt that confidence yesterday sitting next to him as he talked about where he expected this team to go this year. Yeah, I don't want to put words in his mouth because he's, you know, doesn't need me to do that. Uh, it seemed to me, Brian, this. We, we listened to him all last year, and whenever he was asked about it, he talked about, the offense was going to be better in its second year than it was in its first under him. He just believes that because he knows what continuity means. So then last year, they sort of, you know, they got very hot at the end. It turned into its own story. 2023 was no longer what they were talking about. They wanted to go win it when they could then. So that kind of got backburnered a little bit. And I, I'm not sure Doug thought about it as much. And then it seems like you take a couple of weeks, you uh, decompress from Kansas City, if, if it was that long, I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden you turn the page to 2023 and you just get the feeling that now they've gone back, they've looked at what they were last season and maybe even looked around the team meetings going, hey, we still got a second year jump coming. You know, at, at, as good as they were getting at the end of last year, if you push that forward and you get rid of some of the inconsistency and start, you know, add Calvin Ridley to it, it seemed to me that maybe the coaches are looking at it now, and deep inside, not wanting to talk about it too much, they're feeling the excitement on film that everybody else is sort of feeling on Twitter and on social media. I know you love Twitter, Brian. So oh, yeah, I spent a lot of time I think, I think they're uh, feeling the same sort of thing that the fans are starting to feel, and it's real. So I, that was sort of my gut listening to Doug. Uh, maybe that's way off. Maybe John, you're the, impressed. you're the only guy I follow on Twitter, John. You give me everything I need. I'm a good follower. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that you are. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back on Jags Drive Time, we'll take a look at some of the other issues around the National Football League that John is covering from Arizona and get his thoughts and maybe a preview of his conversation later today with Jaguars owner Shad Khan. All that and more straight ahead on Jags Drive Time. You know, obviously, different team, different different circumstances, all that, but a different coach from the standpoint, I think, of, you know, just, just relating to the players uh, a little bit more. I had great relationships with the guys in Philly, but I think just understanding the roster, being more involved with the roster uh, in Jacksonville, um, and just kind of understanding the different dynamics, you know, for me, understanding better the team, the roster, the makeup, the chemistry, and, and, and that, I think, is uh, one of the differences that I saw, you know, along with having fun with the guys, you know, every day. That's head coach Doug Peterson from yesterday's AFC Coaches Breakfast. Brian Sexton back with you here on Jags Drive Time from TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville. John Osier joins us from 
the Biltmore in Arizona. Uh, John, what struck me was he was asked questions by some Philadelphia reporters, you know, about players and situations in Philly when he was there. Uh, you know, he was also asked questions about quarterback development and about his year out of football. Um, by, I think Ryan O'Halloran was the guy who asked him that about Sean Payton coming back in Denver. So it it was a fair question. So how are you different? You know, what's different about Doug Peterson in Jacksonville than Doug Peterson in Philly? And I didn't cover him in Philly, but I, I would say he seems relaxed and confident. Yeah, I can't imagine that he wasn't relaxed and confident there. But, you know, you come in, I, I, I've i got to think he's in a good place right now. You, have, you come in, you've got a Super Bowl ring, so he knows what that looks like. Uh, he said all year that he thought the team was, you know, early, he thought the team was good. It proved itself to be good. He believes there's going to be a second-year jump, so he thinks they're going to be better. Uh, he has that frame of reference in Philly where they went and won the Super Bowl in the second year where they're not making the playoffs. I, I don't think that means that he's, you know, already fitting himself a ring, but I think he expects this to be a good year where he see you know, and a fun year, you know, improvements, fun, watching players reach their potential is fun. Uh, I think he thinks he's going to see that out of this offense. And I'm sure, again, I didn't know Doug news in Philly. Uh, I don't pretend to know him, you know, on any sort of a level past covering him now, but I'm sure, you know, a, a year away from the game, uh, some perspective there, it wasn't easy to be dismissed in Philly as he has. So I'm sure there's a little bit of a perspective that comes when you age as a human being and, you know, and as a person and experience. I've got to think he's in a really good place. And I think you saw that reflected in Jacksonville last year. Uh, money where the mouth is, so to speak. You know, you say you don't panic. You say you're a level-headed guy. He showed it after October last year. You know, uh, I've got to think this is a good time to be Doug Peterson. All right, so let's touch on a couple of things. Uh, first of all, the Jaguars, as had been reported last week, yesterday they announced the signing of two backup defensive tackles, Michael Dogby, who was right there in Arizona with the Cardinals for a number of years, and Henry Mondo, who's bounced around with a couple of different teams. I think most recently he was with the New York Giants. Uh, that's the kind of solid signings, you hope they're solid signings, they both look like they are, that you need to have when you've got a quarterback you're about to pay. Yeah, you need guys who... Uh, all three of their recent signings, uh, the running back from Cleveland, uh, Dearness Johnson, uh, uh, sort of the same deal. Fifth year in the NFL, uh, when you put on the tape, you have, you know, none of these guys have missed a whole lot of time. So they've got four years to look at and see what they are. I think Trent Baalke looked at these guys and said, hey, we know exactly what's walking in the building. We don't have to guess. They're not projects. They're not developments. They're plug-and-play guys. Uh, two of them on one-year deals. I think they're all on one-year deals. So they're that thing that makes sense. Uh, you know, they're veterans who know the league. They're sort of younger versions of Adam Gossis, maybe. It, yeah. Who came in about two or three years ago. And valuable reserve. Yeah, we don't talk much about Adam, but every every couple of games is making a play where you go, oh, Adam Gossis. So I think these are sort of that kind of guy. And as you say, you, you have to have that in the NFL. Uh, it can't just be the 18 guys that you talk about uh, first wave. Uh, you have to have good players as your, you know, second nine to ten group, if you will. All right. So you got to have guys in the defensive line. The um, the competition committee meets at the combine in Indy in late February, early March, 
Then they present their recommendations on proposed rule changes to the owners here at this meeting. And so there are a couple of things. I'm just curious if you've heard anything about you know the rugby-style play, which Philadelphia, they, they converted that short yardage play with Jalen Hurts being pushed from behind 37 times in 41 attempts. So a lot of success there. There's a talk about replay for roughing penalties, which introduces a lot of different variables, that none of which seem to be like it would help the situation. And then finally, what they're calling the Brock Purdy rule, which is the quarterback on the roster. Because Brock Purdy was injured, they were down to their third, which is like their fifth this year in San Francisco in that playoff game in Philly. Be hearing anything at all about the prospects of any of these being a um, a new point of emphasis or rule in 2023? I haven't heard much beyond what I heard at the combine, which that uh, um, the rugby style scrum, uh, it it seems like people want to figure out a way to not have that be a thing. Not necessarily because it's anti-Philadelphia. I mean, I think, I think people are giving credit for figuring it out and making it work. But the injury potential there and, and the potential for it just not to look like football is pretty high. So the feeling, the only vibe I've gotten is that they're, they want to try to figure out a way to, to make that not what it was. Um, and again, it's not because it was, it was too easy. Credit to them for doing it. But right. when you have, they try to get, you know, this huge bodies not colliding as much uh, in a game where that's always there. When well, you have uh, the quarterback in the middle of that pile. But, What's that? You got that quarterback in the middle. That's your quarterback. I mean, yeah. that's your A yeah. guy, and, and he's in the middle of all those human beings. There's a potential for serious injury there, too. Yeah, so uh, I don't think that'll be around long. I, I don't have a feel for whether it'll be outlawed in the next couple of days or not, but I I think gradually we'll, we won't see that. Uh, the Brock Purdy rule, you know, I think teams, generally speaking, there was a little bit of an outrage after that. People said, oh, they shouldn't have that rule. Well, there's a rule to prevent that. You can carry three quarterbacks. So I, I'm not sure there was a whole lot of sympathy within a lot of people around the league uh, for the 49ers because everybody knows that you're able to – you can carry three if you want. That's up to you. Yeah. So I never got a sense for that. And, you know, the only people I've talked to about the roughing thing, uh, fans want to see more things reviewed because they think it'll help. The roughing penalty to me, if, if they review roughing, it's going to be the same thing as interference where the competition committee goes, okay, you want it reviewed? Go review it this year. It'll be a disaster. It'll be a fiasco just like interference. It won't help anything, and they'll take it out the next year. I, I don't think they'll review roughing uh, because it, it, it's the old thing, Brian, and, and my blood starts to boil because it's a pet peeve of mine. More replayed things when they're judgment don't change the final outcome. It it just causes more uh, more controversy. It's one more person to make a decision, and it's still their opinion on uh, what they saw. All right, a couple more names to throw at you. And again, you're not covering these stories, but you're talking to your your peers out there who are covering them. Oh, uh, I have no peers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry to put you in that uncomfortable <laughs> position of having to acknowledge your greatness, John. Um, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, there's been all sorts of stories back and forth there. Any um, any idea that that maybe gets solved or if people are thinking this thing's going to drag out? I think generally when you talk about Aaron Rodgers uh, with other media people, it's sort of a deep sigh of 
at some point it'll happen. But they're tired of sort of dealing with it. If, 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 it's like, okay, we've talked this to death. Uh, there's not a lot of new ground to cover, even if you're hanging out talking about it over a party. Uh, I think there's a feeling that it'll eventually get done, and it'll be on Aaron Rodgers' time, which who knows when that is. Yeah, well, there's not a story, a headline that, that they made progress yesterday. So we'll see. Sure. Uh, go ahead. No, sure. Oh, yeah. sure they did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, any 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 scuttlebutt on the Lamar Jackson situation when John Harbaugh was in his breakfast yesterday? Uh, Lamar tweeted that he wanted to be traded. It put the coach in that unique situation of having to comment. And, of course, now you've got places uh, you know, that are looking for a quarterback, Indiana, uh, in Indianapolis, uh, Atlanta, thinking, well, maybe now's the time to strike while the iron's hot. Any sense of what's going on with Lamar Jackson? Yeah, the only feeling that I've talked to from different people is, you know, he, he's sort of been on the trade block. You know, yes, he tweeted it out. Yes, it was a crafty mood to put Harbaugh on the spot. But he's sort of been available for a long time. So did it change? Very, I mean, was it good to get in the Twitterverse for a day and get that out there that he's unhappy, wants to leave? Maybe. But it doesn't change that much. Everybody's known he's available to be pursued for, what, uh, two or three weeks now. So yeah. it doesn't really change that much in reality. Maybe it changes some perception. And, you know, sometimes that gets things moving. But I think the general feeling is, is that, you just don't know much beyond what you knew yesterday morning. All right. And uh, before we let you go, how about a thought on your uh, your upcoming conversation this afternoon with Jaguars owner Shotcon? Where are you going with that one? Yeah, it's 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 an interesting off season. Uh, you know, when things are quiet, like when teams are winning, you don't get that much from the head coach in the off season because there's not a whole lot of movement going on, right? So, you know. I think for people watching it, the news from Doug Peterson probably felt a little bit like the news from the combine with Doug Peterson because, you know, they're not making a lot of moves. They're trying to get better internally. That doesn't cause for great headlines. I think Shad's sort of the same way, frankly. Uh, you know, the stadium thing is probably a few years away. Uh, it, it's a good team right now. He kept the coach. He kept, the, you know, uh, uh, the GM, obviously, dude. Uh, there's no change there. So my main thought with him is going to be, hey, you're an owner now who's been through a lot as an owner, had a lot of rough seasons. What's it like being out here when you're a successful owner? Are you enjoying that a little bit? Talking to him a little about the Miller Electric Center. I'll talk to him about Balky and I'll talk to him about Peterson, sort of where he sees it going. Uh, I don't anticipate bombshell out of this, but I think fans will be interested to see how he feels about the team right now, particularly head coach, uh, GM electric centers, just sort of how he feels about things going forward. All right. And you might tell him you have no peers. You might just oh, let him know that he's, he, he's sitting down with, you know, an all-time great. Well, it, it, he'll see it the right way, <laughs> which is I have no peers because, you know, I'm down here, baby. <laughs> John Osier from Arizona. Thanks for joining us this morning, John. Safe travels home tomorrow. Brian, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. When we come back here on Jags Drive Time, we'll check in with the Florida Lottery. You know, all season long, we talked about a scholar-athlete program and the Bright Futures program that the Florida Lottery is intricately involved with. We'll find out from the lottery's perspective how it all went. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome back to Jags Drive Time here at TIAA Bank Field. And joining us from Tallahassee now is the Secretary of the Florida Lottery, John Davis. And welcome, Secretary Davis, to the Jaguars Drive Time. Well, thank you, and I appreciate uh, having the opportunity to talk about the Florida Lottery's education initiative and what we're trying to accomplish here. Well, we've been talking about it all season long through the stories of individual student-athletes here in North Florida. But just give me a sense. There's a lot of different ways that you get the word out about the Florida Lottery. What made sense to you about partnering with an NFL team? Well, first, let me say how proud we are to be able to partner with the Jaguars and to support such a phenomenal team and organization. And, and here at the Lottery, our focus is to be able to bring awareness to our mission of enhancing education, as well as to the Bright Future Scholarship Program and the opportunities it provides to all students across the state of Florida. And to be able to partner with the Jaguars, is, is, and as well as others, really creates that opportunity and the, and the bandwidth that you all have to be able uh, to be able to get the message out. And, you know, as the father of two high school students and one college student, I am fully aware of Bright Futures. But I don't know that a lot of people understand the link, the correlation between the Bright Futures and the Florida Lottery. Can you expound on that for us? That is correct. The Bright Futures Scholarship Program was created by the Florida legislature in 1997 and is primarily funded by the Florida Lottery and the contributions that we, the resources that we bring in through our gaming system, is goes to help fund this scholarship. And as we all know, it can be life-changing for so many students. And to date, the program has been able to, to help more than 950,000 students across this state pr- pursue their dreams of a higher education. And uh, we, we will continue to work with organizations like the Jaguars to be able to help get this message out. Well, and you talked about the students, and we told the story of five individuals from different high schools throughout the course of the year. And I know that you told the story of hundreds as you went out and about spreading the message of the Florida Lottery and Bright Futures. How do these features, how do these young people being featured like this, how do they benefit? What does it mean to them? It means a lot. Uh, We have the opportunity, you know, the, the, the Florida Lottery, you know, we support a wide range of educational programs that are designed to improve the education uh, here in the state, uh, including our K through 12 programs, our community colleges, our state universities. And when you begin to think about the constructions of new projects uh, for new educational facilities, and of course, the Bright Future Scholarship Program. And, and these funds are used to support classroom instructions, technology, uh, infrastructure improvement, and many other educational initiatives. And, and this funding provides you know, quality education choices for Florida's families, uh, which are able to help equip today's youth with the skills they need to become tomorrow's lead. And I know that on April 18th, you're hosting an event here at the stadium, Be Inspired by Jag's Jobs event. So tell us a little bit about the event and what you hope to get from it and what students should expect to get from it. 
Yes, uh, you know, we partner with diverse organizations and schools, uh, you know, like the Jaguar program uh, that share the lottery's commitment to education. And these partnerships provide a platform uh, for the lottery to be able to share our education mission and to be able to bring awareness, as I mentioned earlier, to the Bright Future Scholarship Program. But most importantly, you know, we're dedicated to making sure that every student in this state, regardless of their race, religion, ethnicity, or socioeconomic status, knows that a bright, a brighter future is possible and attainable. And it's it's incumbent upon us and to make sure that we identify good partners around this state that have the the exact same mission and drive to to do the work that is necessary to position these kids as well as to educate and make sure that their families as well as other community organizations are aware of the opportunities that exist. So being able to partner is something that that allows us to just expand that net to be able to help these students. Well, I'm sure you know, Secretary Davis, Jacksonville is a vibrant, thriving uh new city I, to watch all the things that are happening downtown especially is to see the potential of jacksonville and we enjoy telling the stories of that next generation of young people getting the opportunity to go out and achieve their goals and their dreams and we hope to see you at a game in jacksonville this fall well definitely i look forward to that and can't wait till football season starts i'll tell you i was rooting and um i was so excited just to watch uh the guys be able to turn it on towards the end of the year last year, and and they made some they made it so fun for so many, not just for us here in the state of Florida and, and in there in Duval County, but having an entire nation watch uh, what the Jaguars have in store, and I, and I'm looking forward to them continuing that that work uh, next year and, and and displaying it on the field. And um, I'd also just like to say that I'm extremely proud of the work that the uh, Florida Lottery is doing to support not only the students there in Jacksonville, but all across this state. And as they go on to pursue their dreams and passion, and I'm so excited for, for what the future definitely holds for the students here in our great state of Florida. Secretary John Davis of the Florida Lottery, thanks so much for your time this morning on Jags Drive Time. Look forward to seeing you in the fall. Thank you, and have a good day. Well, move that freight with Magellan Transport. Voted coolest office space in Jacksonville. You can apply online at MagellanLogistics.com and help them move the freight. When you look at drafting players, you know, number one, you know, we've, we've established a, a culture in Jacksonville. So are they, are they culture fits? I think for me, you know, the high character, um, and look, not everybody's perfect, but at the same time, you want guys that are going to fit the culture that you've already established. More from head coach Doug Peterson yesterday at the AFC Coaches Breakfast at the Biltmore in Arizona. And as we alluded to moments ago with John Osier, you can expect an interview with Jaguars owner Shad Khan in a story and probably to drop in the video format at some point in the next 12 to 24 hours. That'll do it for Jags Drive Time. Happy Hour comes your way Thursday at 4 o'clock with J.P. Shadrick and Jeff Lagerman. And John and I will be back next Tuesday at 10 o'clock, our normal time here in Jacksonville with another sterling edition of Jags Drive Time brought to you courtesy of our entire broadcast crew. Have a great day, everybody.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.